What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Eagles Monday Recap. I'm Alex Miller, joined always by Travis Brown. Texas A&M hosting Alabama this week, of course. Heard from Jimbo Fisher and what five players? I think today there was a we had a we had a pretty steady rotation going through uh, this morning over there at Calfield. Yeah, four players. Four players. Yeah. Okay, my yeah. math is bad. That's why I'm a journalist. <laughs> yeah, we had um, Max Wright. We had Demetrius Crownover. We had McKinley Jackson, and we had Anaya Smith. Well, you know, it's all coach speak. They're going to say any game is just another game. But here's the deal, Travis. This is not just some other game. A&M and Alabama, they're duking it out at Kyle Field this weekend for outright first place in the SEC West, a position that I don't know if many people would have put A&M in, in at this point of the season, especially with LSU in the division. Yeah, I mean, that's a question that I asked of all the players today is, do they sense how wide open the SEC West is this year? Because it's wide open. And and really, the, the biggest test to, of this is going to be this weekend in Kyle Field. A&M and Alabama are the only two SEC West teams that haven't suffered a conference loss yet. Uh, and so the winner of this is in the driver's seat for the West. Um, that That's not saying that it's the end-all, be-all, because there's still a lot of time to play and as the players rightly responded, anybody can beat anybody on any given field. I mean, look at Florida and Tennessee uh, two weeks ago and then Florida and Kentucky this last week. It's it's crazy. With The whole SEC is crazy. And Georgia and Auburn. Uh, I mean, there, there's arguments that people are already talking about. Will, will the SEC even get a team into the college football playoff? Um, that That's way down the line and a little bit hyperbolic. But... Uh, it, it is an interesting SEC. It's probably been one of the most fun SEC seasons that I've uh, been a part of covering because there isn't necessarily that uh, runaway winner or runaway team that you know is going to be in the driver's seat the whole time. But yeah, this, this, this game very well could be the de facto SEC West championship game. Um, should A&M win this and, and run the table or Alabama win this and run the table? And, you know, hearing from Anaya Smith, and we'll get to him a little more here in a second, you know, he said when his brother played at Alabama, it was there was no question. Alabama was either number one or number two. There was no doubt about it. Well, Alabama's what, 12 right now? 11. 11. They're outside the top 10. The mm-hmm. point is they're not, they're not even in the top 10. And looking back at this A&M-Alabama game, if you look at back at the last four years, the spread on this matchup has always been Alabama 17 or more mm-hmm. right now. It's like, I think I heard it's somewhere between two and a half and four. I mean, it's almost a pick em game. Mm-hmm. And I think one with, with all due respect to Alabama and what they've accomplished, it shows that the crimson tide are not as invincible as they have been in recent years. And not only that, A&M's actually got a legit shot to probably go in and, and, and go and win this game. I mean, this is this is Alabama pre-Tua. Pre, this is Alabama pre-Lane Kiffin uh, as offensive coordinator. This is Alabama is out there playing really good defense. Yes. And don't really have a quarterback or a whole lot of offense to speak of um, per se. Uh, Jaden Milrow has, has settled in to be the starter They've, they've been able to pick some stuff up against, you know, a not very good Mississippi State team. Um, but the offensive line certainly hasn't helped uh, Jaden Milrow out very much. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you think 
stereotypical Alabama pre Lane Kiffin where it's going to be they're going to play lights out defense and figure it out on offense. That's that's kind of what this Alabama team is at its best. Yeah. You know, Jimbo was asked about that today. You know, Alabama, they've given up what, like 20, 22 sacks on the season. And, you know, A&M, its pass rush has really come on the last two games in particular. And, you know, Jimbo said that that statistic, I think Alabama's ranked like 120th in the nation. 123rd in sacks allowed. That's what I was looking up here. Yeah. Uh, They're 13th in the SEC. They're averaging four sacks a game. You know, the the point is there are shots to be taken at Jalen Milrow with the holes that the offensive line is giving uh, opponents for Alabama. But Jimbo said it, it is a little misleading because a guy like Milrow, we know he he likes to run. He's going to run and he gets out of it a little bit. But the fact still stands that, I mean, people are getting pressure on Alabama quarterbacks, and that that has not really been the case in recent years. I, I get what Jimbo is saying, but also that's that's not necessarily a great definition of the, the statistical category of a sack, because once Jaden Milrow becomes a runner and he's tackled, that's just a tackle for loss. Yeah, that's, that's not a, a sack. Point. So I, I get what he's trying to say there and not hype it up too much, but but I think that is a statistical category to look at. AM is second in the country in team sacks. They're averaging four sacks a game. Which is just crazy, by the way. Right. Think about it. If you would have told me three weeks ago that AM was going to be number two in the country in sacks going into this game, I would have been like, what happened? Did, did the other team's offensive lines just like decide to play their second strings? Like, I mean, with all due respect to AM, they weren't, they were not getting pressure on the quarterback. I was surprised against what they were able to do against Arkansas. I wasn't surprised as much against Auburn. That okay, that Auburn, Auburn offensive line was not good. I mean, they they proved to be better against Georgia, but they were not good that's a fair uh, point. against A&M and they and but, but that's still 14 sacks in two games for A&M. Right. Uh, I think what they did against Arkansas was really impressive. I mean, Walter Nolan and Shamar Turner in particular have been playing really well the last two weeks. And Edrin Cooper. And, I mean, I was just looking at these these stats right. here. The the uh, Edrin Cooper has uh, was it? Uh, he's averaging 0.8 sacks a game. Uh, Shamar Turner's 0.7. Walter Nolan's 0.5. Um, that's 24th, 44th, and 98th in the country. Third, sixth, and 14th in the conference. Uh, Edrin Cooper is actually kind of leading that charge. Yeah, and and I think that the the elevated play of the defensive line mm-hmm. is real. And now that they're real, I mean, give credit to DJ Durkin. I mean, he has really dialed it up the last couple weeks. And the way that the defensive line has played to draw some double teams and provide some open lanes for those blitzing linebackers, or even a guy like Bryce Anderson mm-hmm. who got in there, tipped the ball on the Chris Russell pick six. I mean, it, it has been a collaborative effort where, you know, this was stuff that we were seeing when Mike Elko was defensive coordinator for AM. And now the Aggies are really starting to get the wheels turning on that side of the ball. You know, if they can start cleaning some stuff up on offense and and not leave some points out on the board, I mean, AM AM's gonna be able to contend in any game that they're they're playing in. Uh, yeah, uh, the the defense is, is leading the charge, which is not exa- at all what we were going to think after the Miami game. <laughs> no. That was just a huge defensive bust um, all, all the way around. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the offense did enough. Uh, the defense is, is outstanding. And, and you, we haven't really had to necessarily 
look and grade A&M's defensive secondary because the pass rush has been so good and they've been able to, as Jimbo said, affect the quarterback uh, through the pass rush in the last two games. I do think this game will be a little bit, a little bit different because of what Jaden Miller can do running around and because of the fact that he, he can throw the ball uh, probably better than any. Well, I would have thought KJ Jefferson would, would have been a better passer. He was not, though. but he was not a lot of that because of the pressure they were well, able to put and on. And you got to remember their stud tight end got knocked out on the first play of the game with that broken collarbone. Mm-hmm. Um, that is true. That was his that biggest was a security huge blanket hit to Arkansas's offensive game plan, probably. But to be fair, Travis, I mean, you look at Alabama's receiving core. I mean, they don't have a Devonte Smith or a Jalen Waddle or a, a Henry Ruggs or you know a Jerry Judy type guy. I mean, th- this is this is not what we've been seeing from Alabama. But like you said. Milro, Milro's really turned a corner the last couple weeks. I mean, here, here's your we'll pulling up PFF. Surprisingly, who who is Alex? Who is the highest graded passer in the SEC coming into this week? Oh gosh, the grade is ninety one. Ninety one. It's is it Milro? It's Max Johnson. It's Max Johnson. It's Max. Is Johnson. it really according to PFF? The best passer in the I SEC. I thought this was going to be a trick question. <laughs> Where uh, Jaden Milrow is one, two, three, four, five, six. Is that seven, Wegman eight, number three? Nine, ten. He's tenth at seventy six point seven, but has the best run grade at eighty eight point five. Yeah, Wegman's number three on there at a ninety. We knew Wegman was having a good season before he got knocked out for the year. You know, it's not surprising about Milrow's running ability, though. I mean, if you go back to last year's game, Travis, I mean, Adam's pass defense played really well in that game. It was a couple of those scramble lapses that really did the Aggies in and allowed Alabama to extend drives and get some big plays that gave them those critical points to to pull out that win. Well, Adam's run defense was so bad last year. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, (laughs) So uh, I'm just curious, kind of, and I know we're, I'm kind of producing on the fly here, um, but... Um, you look at receiving grades, uh, A&M has, Anaya Smith is about eighth in here. He's yeah. at a, a, a 79. You have Evan Stewart at a 76. Jer- uh, Jermaine Burton is the, the highest rated Alabama overall rank, 146. And I don't think he played last country. week against Mississippi State. Correct. Um, and then beyond him... You're going down to Isaiah Bond, and he's the 243rd in the country at wide receiver. Going back, Anaya Smith is 56 in the country. Um, so, yeah, that, that wide receiving core isn't necessarily producing at, at a high rate, and they're not, they don't necessarily have a huge passing threat with Milrow. It, that, I really think the, 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 the biggest matchup here is what we talked about. It's going to be A&M's pass rush versus Alabama's offensive line slash just pass blocking as a whole. Um, Are they going to be able to stop? Because right now, I don't know who is going to stop A&M. And if A&M, if, if, you know, sometimes you go into games and it's a bad matchup and yeah, a team puts up big numbers, but you're like, that was just a bad matchup. That's not indicative of who this team is. If A&M can prove that seven sacks a game, a four, four sack average is who they really are. There's no reason why they shouldn't be the best team in the West because that being able to get that kind of pressure on the quarterback affects so much that 
there's no reason why they, they shouldn't win the West. You know, hearing from Anaya Smith, he was really the only player it sounded like that this game was a, is a little bit different. And, you know, his family has some history. His bro- older brother played at Alabama. And, you know, Travis, just shed a little light on what Anias had to say about that and a little bit of the backstory there. Well, before I do that, yeah, that there, there is something. Before I do that, there's a lot of players that have a lot of history. You know, you can look at... Um, Max Wright has played in so many of these games because he's been true. here for so long. He was here for the uh, 2021 game where they won here at Kyle Field. And while he wouldn't, the, the, of course, the party line is it's one game at a time, nameless, faceless opponents, whatever. He, he did go into talking about how intense the atmosphere was in Kyle Field for that game. And and by, by transitive property, saying how much it means to the fan base, saying how much more important the game is. Uh, you can take that. There's McKinley Jackson, who was recruited by Alabama from Alabama, decided to come to uh, Texas A&M. Uh, and M, and then you have Anaya Smith. And here, you know, the story behind Anaya Smith's older brother, uh, uh, Morris uh, Maurice Smith, uh, started his career at Alabama. Decided that he wanted to transfer. Uh, according to his family, uh, once that word got out that he was wanting to transfer. His all of his stuff from his locker when he showed up to the team facilities were just sitting outside the locker room, uh, and just kind of for him to pick up, kind of saying he got kicked out, you know, uh, uh, of of the program, and and didn't him and his family didn't really like how that went. And Anias was um, was was cognizant; it was younger, but cognizant enough of what was going on that his brother's uh, his brother's career and recruitment uh, was something that that played a lot into his own recruitment and his own career, even going back to talking to his family about Bobby Petrino now being at A&M. Well, his brother um, considered Louisville for a long time and was being recruited by Bobby. And Anias, as we know, has a big personality. Even some of those conversations during recruiting was taking the phone and asking Bobby Petrino how his brother would be uh, associated, incorporated Not in that offense and, and things like that. But you can tell that that, situation that episode in his older brother's life uh is something that stuck with him and he he was you know calling Nick Saban by name saying he knows everything about how that program is run because his brother was in there and and said positive things about how that program was run and and what they're going to be expecting on defense but he did also say that this is personal because uh, it's something that his family um didn't appreciate and uh is something that has stuck with them since some of Anaya Smith's best games have come against Alabama. You know, when mm-hmm. he was a sophomore, he had over 100 yards receiving, two touchdowns. When they beat Alabama, you know, they had the little pop pass to him there in that second quarter that kind of extended the lead. And then, of course, he caught the game tying touchdown in the fourth quarter uh, on that little wheel route. I mean, Zach Calzada put it right in the bread basket. And, uh, you know, didn't get to play in this game last year, of course, because he was out for the season with that broken leg. But yeah, I mean, it it it's it sounds like this is one that Anias has had circled for for a little bit at least. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's 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 one that I I would be surprised if a lot of the players didn't. And anybody no. who's yeah. watched or kept an eye on, and this was kind of goes back to that initial question, gone back and looked at the state of the SEC West this game means everything uh, and it could change as the season goes on. But right now, as we sit in the season, this is, this game means everything for the the battle for the sec West. And if, if 
uh, if A&M can win this game, they are in the driver's seat to go to Atlanta, which is not something you've ever been able to really say about A&M since they've joined the SEC. Nope. Yeah. And, you know, Jimbo, Jimbo, you watch clips of the Pulse and some other stuff. He's been telling, it seems like he's been telling some of the guys in the locker room, you know, change the narrative. If AM wins this game, the narrative will probably be changed about the trajectory of AM's season and, and where the Aggies are going, as you have already mentioned. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, I mean, I, I'll, I'm curious about that because it's something we'll never really know. I, I would think to mention that to the team or to bring that to their attention does go against the whole idea of nameless, famousless opponents. Every game means, you know, whatever, because also if they do lose that game, they're not in the driver's seat anymore, but it is a crazy sec West. Alabama could lose to Ole Miss could lose to, well, they already beat Ole Miss. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, LSU. Uh, yeah. I, I meant, uh, and or Tennessee or Tennessee. Um, and, and then they're right. Or back Auburn. In it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Auburn, I, Auburn, I, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if I'd put my money on Auburn. Uh, I, I don't either, but it's the iron bowl. Who yeah. Knows? Who knows? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it, it, it's just, it, it's the most fun sec season. Like I said, I, I, I've been a part of so far because it is absolutely wide open. Uh, and, and this game is going to, this game will mean more than just about any A&M Alabama game since they've joined the sec. I know. I mean, help me out here. I can't think of any one where they went into the Alabama game with a shot to take over the the West lead. Yeah. The only one that I can, the only one that I really think of was the 2013 game. Well, in 2016, you're right. In 2016, they, they were both undefeated, but it really felt like A&M. I mean, A&M was definitely the underdog. The 2013 game, which was in like week two or three, I mean, it was the first conference game for either team. Yeah, that's was, too it early. Was, it, but it was so hyped up because a Alabama was one. A&M was like five or six. You know, Johnny was coming off his Heisman season. Um, 20, 2016 might have been actually be the, the best, best example. But but I, I like you said, I it wasn't this this thing where the the spread would be um, so 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 small. Um, yeah, and, and it be so close. This is might be the biggest. This matchup is, yeah and, and point to prove fans have been have been lining up for uh, two weeks you went yeah. out there last night to kind of check it out a little bit yeah i went out there at like 11 p.m just i'm you can check the eagle.com tomorrow uh for my story on just the madness of ticket pool but i went up to the very front of the line because the rumor was as soon as the auburn game ended People were pitching tents in front of the ticket windows on the north side of Kyle Field to, you know, get in line. That that was eight days ago. Like, yeah, that's wild. And so, you know, someone I, caught the first person to pitch it. It was like going on during the Auburn game. Yeah. the the So the people I talked to, as soon as the game ended, they said they ran back to their car and got some stuff. Like they had it set up within an hour after the final whistle blew. And it was something that they had been uh, Ryder Nielsen, who is a, a listener of our show. Actually, I was talking to him and he said that they've been planning this for like a month and that 
they devised a spreadsheet with everybody's class schedule so they could take shifts <laughs> sitting at the tent making sure all their stuff was good i mean they had they had five tents across the front windows they had a little inflatable couch they had drinks and food and all kinds of things and so when i got there you know it's just a madhouse in front of the stadium but then you know at first i went to the left toward the east side and it went all the way to the 12th man statue but then you go around the west side it wrapped around the entire thing all the way down the west side of the stadium to the very very end like in around the cove in front of the uh new indoor football facility i mean there were hundreds of tents out there i mean people had air mattresses sleeping bags hammocks there were multiple dudes out there just playing mario kart ton of people with their laptops you know trying to get some homework done you know there were tvs out there saw some extension cords like like people had like five extension cords reaching like 50 yards to try and get an outlet to plug in their tv i mean it was nuts just the the length and the measures that people were taking to, to get these tickets. And I mean, yeah, that I think that just shows the, the kind of anticipation and the hype. And, you know, I think for those people, fortunately for them, a won the last two games. So this game actually, you know, kind of means something. Sure. I mean, imagine if a would have lost to Arkansas. How, do you think maybe some of those people might've just packed it up and said, eh. no, because you know, part <laughs> yeah, of, you, part you've of already that ex- sold out. Well, and part of that experience is just having the ability to go out there and yeah, do that with and the ridiculousness and, of and it. setting up a TV and having, you know, Madden tournaments or whatever you do just to go back real quick, just to, to, backtrack on our, our work here a little bit. A&M opened, or excuse me, Alabama opened as 4.5 point favorites. The line's now down to 2.5. Yeah. So yeah, so I it's a pick'em game. I, 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 I'll have to go back and look, um, but I, I couldn't remember an, an A&M Alabama no. game with that close of a line uh, in that. Now, going back to what you were talking about, we, we asked Max Wright if this is something, you know, would he go out and, and uh, uh, camp out for it? And he said, yeah, if he thinks he he's a big A and M fan, and and he thinks he he would be if he wasn't playing football, he'd he'd go do that. Jimbo says he camps all the time when he's hunting, so yeah. he, camping's not a not a big deal for him. Would you would you camp out for two weeks? So so I I probably would not because <laughs> I hate camping, but I would probably be willing to sit there throughout the whole day to do it. Or get up at like 3 a.m. and take the night shift. Yeah. You know, my freshman year at AM was the only time I went to a game as a student, and we camped out one time and I hated it. And we were on the third deck. So my experience was bad. Yeah. But my buddies loved it and and they would do it all the time. But uh, you know, that that was that was kind of the big takeaway from all of it, was that, you know. After talking with all those people, no matter what happens on Saturday, they're just going to look back at it on, hey, we had a fun time. We met a ton of people. You know, it was crazy. When are we ever going to get to do this again? And uh, I think that just really embodies how A&M students are with with their football fans. I mean, with their football. I mean, it's the it's the largest student section of the country. It's viewed among one of the best. And People people go all out to 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 be there uh, for for A&M football games. Yeah, not not to to take away from the 
what what the the students are doing. But everybody wants some of those. If you're a sports fan, you're in college, you want those super collegey experiences. And the only reason why you would need to camp out is if you feel that there is a strong enough demand for tickets that you would need to camp out. And so, and there is right. And so (laughs) I think that, um, that, that regardless of how big this game was, if there was that demand, which there are sometimes, even when the game isn't this big, they're just looking for the reason to be able to go do this. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm not a, I'm not a camper. I quit boy Scouts. Like I'm a glamper six months in. Cause I just don't want to deal with that. Um, but you're right. I would be, I'd be the guy who would, uh, bring the TV, why figure out how to wire everything. So everyone could like have a, a ridiculously entertainment experience. Yeah. I'm not surprised Stay through the day. And then I'd go sleep at, at, at home and then come back for that. So that would be my, my experience. I hats off to them. Sleeping on concrete sounds like the literal last thing I want to do in my life. Well, they got to meet Jimbo last night because he went and brought him tacos. I saw photo evidence. Everybody was taking photos with him. So he at, should've... Least, at least there's a little consolation prize for that. You know, he should have like brought the grill out there and, you know, maybe just. <laughs> oh, just, yeah. Uh... Dude, I saw like two Traeger smokers out there. You're, are you kidding? You're no, kidding me. No, I'm not. And, and what I was told was that some dude like brought some big projection screen and you could see it up on the wall. Apparently they were playing movies there like every night. And that, and during the Arkansas game, they played they played the game up there and they had some speakers uh-huh. and I, and it looked like they were they were grilling. So I mean that would be really people, fun. I'd be people there. People were it. having a good time. I'd be there. People for were that. having a good time. We'll uh, see if go well, ahead. Well, just a couple of housekeeping things. I know uh, you know Evan Stewart got banged up a couple times in the game. Jimbo Fisher said that he would uh, he he would be available for this weekend. Yeah. Um. So that's that's you know he looks like he took a pretty big shot on that that really ridiculous catch on the sidelines towards the end of the game. You know, he's taken a couple of, you know, he got knocked out of the Miami game and didn't play the next week against Louisiana Monroe. That's twice. Now he's got knocked out of the game and they, they reviewed it for targeting and they overturned it, Mm -hmm. uh, but still seem to have some effect on, on him uh, in, 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 in the game, being able to come back. And if there's any position group that, that A&M has that, fans should not be worried about if I mean don't get me wrong Evan Stewart was the second highest rated wide receiver if you want to look at pro football focus that A&M has and I Smith was the top one but if there's a position group not to worry about it's that one because they've had guys in and out the whole season and it doesn't seem like anything has really slowed them down they they're gonna need more out of if if Evan is limited in any capacity though they're going to need more out of Jade Walker. He did not really have a good game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Dropped a couple passes. weren't able wasn't able to haul in a couple of contested balls. You know, one of them questionable. They didn't call it. Might have been pass interference. Either way, hit his hands. You you think you think you probably want to get that. Didn't see a lot of Noah Tom. I mean, he played in the game, but I mean, he didn't really fill up the stat line a lot. And that's really where Alabama's strength is, is in their secondary. Mm-hmm. I mean, their secondary is pretty legit, and Jimbo kind of highlighted that in the press conference today. I mean, AM's gonna need AM's gonna need a big game from some of those guys, uh, if if they're gonna be able to knock off the tide. I so. agree. All right. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Monday recap. Be sure to check theeagle.com for all of our coverage leading up to AM's game against Alabama this Saturday. We'll see you next week.